back to you are children of the light. Come on, dear. up sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you come on sing that with me wake up sleeper wake up sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you wake up Rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. Shine like a star, there's truth in your heart, that's who you are, children of the light, right on the line, she is the light, darkness cannot hide, shine like a Thank you so much. Come on up, Dan. You can have a seat. You have a seat. Thanks, Todd, for sharing your gifts with us in that song. Welcome to First Baptist. We're glad you're here to worship with us, and hopefully you'll stick around and, and be a part of a connection group at, at 945 as well. Uh, but if you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to uh, grab a, connection, a card out of the P-Rack there and fill those out, and you can... Uh, take those to the Welcome Center at the end of the service. We'd love to get to know you. There's a little box you can drop there. Uh, we got a gift for you for your first time, and uh, our, uh, some of our staff will be there. Uh, Dr. Cox, our, our pastor, he's under the weather this morning. Uh, he was going to start uh, this new series called The Future According to Jesus, but he couldn't <laughs> predict the future that he wasn't going to be here. So, uh, But uh, Jake is going to be filling in, sharing a, the message uh, uh, that he was going to do when I had to fill in for him. So it's just a domino. It's just a domino. So, uh, but uh, yes, but we're glad to be uh, gathering in worship and, uh, and praising God together. So let's pray and we'll continue. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to be here and to worship you. And we thank you for who you are and the, the reason that we gather. Uh, because you are a loving God who sent a Savior for us so that we could be with you, God. So we come this morning to offer praise and to, to just give you thanks and and, and glory and, and just uh, and, and also just to let you 
do your work in us, God. So um, as we gather, we just want to experience your presence. Thank you for being here uh, among us, uh, that the living Lord is here among us as we sing, as we hear from your word, as we let uh, your spirit uh, just impact us. Uh, God, we thank you that we can do this together, that we can gather as your people. So God, as we worship, uh, just help us to give you everything. And may you get all the praise and glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing together. God of creation. There at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke in the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath a planet is born If the stars were made to worship, so will I And see your heart in everything you do Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. God of your promise, don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch their breath, evolving in pursuit of what you say. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. So will I.
soul will die. If the ocean rush your brain, so will I. For everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the winds go where you send them, so will I. this morning. Guide us and lead us. We have our ears open and our hearts ready to hear from you today. I'm finding myself at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay the last thing I need is to be heard but to hear what you would say come on word of god speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes 
in your holiness word of god I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, and all that I need is to be with you in the quiet, to hear your voice, word of Washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me say and rest in your holiness. Oh, word of God, speak with your poor Washing my eyes to see. At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay Amen. You can be seated.
Lord, we come before you this morning just asking you to speak. We know that that's what you want to do. You, you say in your word that you are seeking those who would hear, seeking those who would worship. So, Lord, we know that you are speaking. Open our ears and our hearts that we may hear from you today. Be with Jake as he brings the message. May you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Todd and worship team, for leading us this morning. Um, it was December 24th, 2007. That was the day that Katie and I had our first argument as a married couple. We'd been married for about 60 days, about two months. And uh, we woke up that Saturday morning. We had slept in, which sounds glorious. I don't think I'm going to do that again for another 20 years. And then we got up that Christmas Eve to um, go to the mall and purchase some last-minute Christmas gifts. So we bought our gifts, got everything in the trunk. We're getting into the car. I start the engine, just like that, yep. And um, Christmas music pops on the radio. Now, you remember back in November, Dr. Cox says there's two types of people in the world, right? Those who believe you don't decorate, you don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. And then there's people who say, you know, once the last trick-or-treaters are gone, you, you bring the tree down and you start decorating. Well, this story is a case study in what happens when a person from group one marries a person from group two, and they come together. So Christmas music comes on, and we had been listening to Christmas music since late October, and... Um, to be honest with you, I just had enough, and I just changed the channel to like a country or top 40 kind of music, and Katie was like, 
wait a minute, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I, I just, I can't, I can't take any more of this. Can, can, can we just listen to something else? But Jake, it's Christmas Eve. I, I know, I know, but I'm going on my second month of this. Can we just listen to something else? Which ensued an argument that started with Christmas music. Has this ever happened to you where you start in one area of your life, but then you expand into everything that has annoyed you over the last two months? Well, that's what happened to us as we drove home. And so we drive home, park the car, get all the stuff out, put it inside. And when you're first married, all of your family of origin stuff comes out. So in in my house, or the home I grew up in, my family, if my dad ever got flustered, he would go take a walk or he'd grab his keys, he'd get in his car and go take a ride and cool off a little bit. And then he'd come back and everything was fine. So to me, that's normal behavior. So I just said, enough is enough. I grab my keys, get in my car, and I drive off. One little detail you need to have here. I left my phone on silent on the kitchen counter. Yeah. So I drive off, and I'm listening to my top 40 radio, and no Christmas nothing in this car. And I drive off, and I cool down, and I begin to start thinking, Jake, what is wrong with you? Like, it's Christmas Eve. Why are you doing this? You know, and I start feeling bad, and then I'm like, oh, i got to go back. i got to make this right. i got to tell her that I'm a changed man. I'll never do this again. And so I'm thinking, I can't just show up and apologize. I've got to bring a peace offering. I was going to get flowers, but the house is decorated for Christmas. Roses may not look good with poinsettias. I'm not sure. So I'm driving by a Lifeway, and I think, I'll just get some kind of, like, really sweet thing there. So I go in, and right there they have Hillsong Worship Christmas edition or something like that. So I buy her Christmas music thinking like, look, I'm changed. I'm a different man. I'm not who I used to be 15 minutes ago. Everything's changed. I get to the house. I open the door. And let me just tell you how great my wife is. She's sitting on a chair and she's emotional. But she sees me and she pops up. She wraps her arms around me and she says, you came back. And I'm like, well, of course I came back. What did you think I was going to do? But you see, in her mind, she had never seen an angry man grab his keys, storm off, get in his car, and drive off. In her mind, I was leaving Johnson City, driving to Manchester, and never coming back again. Which really isn't, a, I could see where she's, she's drawing that conclusion. So she said, I've been calling your phone nonstop. I think I've called you a hundred times. And she did. And she said, when I could not get a hold of you... I called my mom, and I told her everything. (laughs) So I got on the naughty list that year, and I'm just going to stay on this side of the podium for a little while. I'm going to let things air out. Hi, Rhonda. Um, The point I'm getting at, I want you to hear this morning, is that um, in a broken world, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have arguments. And the question we want to answer this morning is this. Is there a distinct Christian way to navigate conflict? Is there a distinct Christian way to argue? And we're going to be in James chapter 1 this morning. I'll give you an opportunity to turn there in your Bibles. The words will be on the screen. But in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, we see a distinct Christian way that we should handle disagreement, that we should handle conflict. And let me give you a little background with James. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. 
How would you like to be, how would you like to have Jesus as your older brother? That's got to be tough, right? Like Mary telling you, James, why can't you be more like Jesus, you know? That's got to be tough. And in the gospel narratives, we, we don't hear much of James. And the reason why is because he didn't believe his brother was the Messiah at first. It wasn't until he saw his brother on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, buried in a tomb, and then rise again, that James believed his brother was the Son of God sent to save the world. And here's the thing. After the resurrection, everything changed for James, and he could not stop telling people about the resurrection. And because he was always talking about the resurrection, he eventually became a leader in the church of Jerusalem. He became a pastor in the church. And um, the Jewish leaders, the Roman government, they got tired of James talking about his brother dying and rising again. So they told him, you've got to stop. He would not stop talking about the resurrection until one day they set him up, they framed him, so that it would appear that he broke Jewish law, which would mean they could legally stone him. And so James is about to be martyred. They're saying, James, all you have to do is tell us the resurrection didn't happen. Now, I don't know about you. I've got an older brother and a younger sister. I love my siblings dearly, right? But I don't worship them. And if they're living a lie, I'm not dying for it. But here's what I want you to know about the resurrection. James was willing to give his life for it. And so here we are, James, the brother of Jesus, is stoned and martyred for the sake of the resurrection. If someone tries to tell you the resurrection didn't happen, you just remember James. James gave his life for the resurrection because it's true. So here we are. We come up to how James opens up here in this passage. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, I got one more rabbit to chase for just a second. Let me just say one more thing. In the first century, to see brothers and sisters written together would be scandalous. Women were not on the same playing field as men in that culture. Here's what I want you to see about Christianity. Christianity elevates humanity and says that men and women are both made in the image of God. We have the same dignity, value, and worth. We may have different roles in the home and in the church, right? But we're, we're even, we're equals, Christianity is the first to say this. Our world today wants to say that Christianity is oppressive to women. It's simply not true, and you see it right here. Equal playing field. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. First point we get today and how Christians should handle um, conflict is this. Christians handle conflict by listening. Here's what he says. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. If you look at that, quick to listen makes no sense, right? How do you listen quickly? Uh, listening, hearing, that's a passive verb. There's no way I can do that faster. I mean, you don't want to be in a conversation with someone and go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. That's annoying. Don't do that. You can't listen more quickly. But this, that's James' point. What he's trying to do here is put two words that don't go together and create emphasis. And what he's telling us, the church, is that when we're in a conversation with someone, our first option, our first priority is that we need to be listeners. And the reason why is that this demonstrates the gospel. In a conversation, you want to be heard. You want to be known. You want to say what you want to say. 
Well, as Christ followers, lead out in what you want. This is the golden rule being applied to our conversations. We lead the way in gospel activity. I think about the conversation sometimes you're in. Do you ever, in a conversation, like just wait for the person to stop talking so you can say what you want to say, right? You ever get to the point where you're not listening, I'm just waiting for you to stop? You ever, you ever talk over someone, they're talking, and you just roll right on through? You ever interrupt somebody? Because you just want to say what you want to say. If we want the gospel to filter all of our lives, James says here first, be quick to listen. And then he says also, be slow to speak. That word slow there, um, the Greek word literally means to be late. Do you have anybody in your life who is late to everything, right? Don't point at them if they're in the room. But you know that person that no matter what time you set, they show up 15 minutes late? I've got a family member. If we get together and have a family outing, if it starts at 5, we tell her it starts at 3. And we hope that she makes it on time. You got people like that in your life? Let me tell you, James is saying that's how you should be with your words. You should wait on them. If you don't have to speak, don't. Hold it in. Wait on your words. And if you have to say something, you're not sure, just be curious and ask a question. When I was growing up as a kid, I loved Mad Libs. Y'all remember those where you'd get a paragraph and there'd be some words missing and you'd fill it in with an adjective or a pronoun or whatever the case may be? I've got a sermon Mad Lib up here for us right now. And here's what I want you to think about. In an argument, in conflict... I am often quick to blank and slow to what? What would you fill, fill in there? Let me give you some examples. I'm, I'm quick to get angry. I'm slow to forgive. I'm quick to judge. I'm slow to give grace. I'm quick to speak. And I'm slow to listen. Some of my biggest relationship regrets or when I was quick to speak and slow, slow to listen. The first way that Christians handle arguments, the way we handle conflict, is we argue by listening. And the second thing is this, Christians handle conflict by being patient with one another. We just be patient. So this next part of, of this passage, this is the byproduct. If you are quick to listen and slow to speak, this is what's going to happen. Here's what he says. I'll just recap it. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. The same idea with being slow to speak. We wait on our anger. We want to be late with our anger. And here's the thing. If you're quick to listen, slow to speak, you're going to be slow to get angry because here's the thing. You'll have time to process. I want to show you what I mean here. I've got a little chart I want to put up here on the screen. And uh, I wish I had like a pointer or something that could help. But I, there's a formula we want to see here. That the longer I listen, the more I learn, right? So you see that, that kind of cause and effect relationship there? Longer I listen, the more I'm going to learn. The longer I listen, the more I learn. The more I am able to appropriately respond to any given situation. However, this formula also has an inverse, Right? So the less I listen and the less I learn, that leads me to often just naturally react 
to whatever the situation brings. And I don't know about you, but when conflict arises, my natural reaction is either to get defensive or to get angry. That's not how I want to handle that. I want to be able to respond appropriately with the love of Christ in every situation. And so this is obvious to me, but let's think about it for, for a minute. Everything that a person does or says or believes, it makes sense to them. And if I were ever to look at somebody and be like, I just don't understand why they're doing that. In that statement, who needs an education? If I don't understand why you are doing the thing that you're doing, I'm the one who needs to be educated. That's why I need to be the person who is quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, So I want you to see what he says next, and he's going to point us to this divine agenda that God has in all of this. He says this, because human anger, which James says in chapter 3, human anger is essentially not getting your way, not getting what you want, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So in every conflict, there's always three agendas, right? There's your agenda, which is I'm right, you're wrong. There's the other person's agenda, which is, they're right, I'm wrong. And then there's God's agenda that says, you guys are both wrong. Neither one of you is right. Here's what often happens. In conflict, we want to be right at each other. But God's agenda in conflict and in all relationships, he wants us to be right with each other. There's a big difference there. You see, if you win an argument and you lose a relationship... Did you win anything? No, you lost. You lost what really matters. And so the righteousness that God desires is Jesus' commandment, that we would love each other the way that Christ has loved us. So here's here's the bold statement. If if you checked out for a second, please check back in, because if you missed this, it's not going to make any sense, okay? Bold statement. Just hear me out. Jesus did not come to earth just to be right. He came to testify to the truth. We all agree to that. But if Jesus came to just be right at us, he would have been here for 30 minutes. He would have preached a sermon. It would say, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm holy. You're sinful. Your sin deserves death. There is no hope, and I'm leaving. If God wanted to be right at us, that's what he would do, and we would all agree with him because it's true. Jesus didn't come just to be right at us. He came to be right with us and to make us right with each other. Now, here's the thing. If we are Christ's followers and we want to adopt, we want to adopt the mission of our Savior, then this has to be our mission too, that we don't want to be right at our culture. We don't want to be right at our enemies. We want to be right with them. We want to reconcile. We want to make things right because Jesus came to make us right. Now, here's the part in the sermon where you're probably wondering, like, okay, I'm with you, but Jake, isn't there certain things that we want to be right about? Like, isn't there some convictions, some things that we hold on to that we say, hey, if we get this wrong, we need to be right at you, and absolutely. So here, here's what I want to do. I'm going I'm to show you um, a guy named Al Moeller, who's the president of Southern Baptist Seminary. He wrote an article back in 2005. It's called... Um, theological triage, and the need for Christian maturity. It's a great article. 
Read it if you want to. But in that article, he lays out this Christian triage, which he says there's first tier, second tier, and third tier issues. And that when we in the church disagree or when we disagree with outsiders, we use this triage to kind of see where does this issue lie and can we still fellowship, can we still partner together. So I've taken the triage and I've tried to limit it to just kind of two categories. Here's my two categories, okay? I've got things I hold in a closed hand. And let me just tell you, if you mess with this, you get the fist. That's how I remember it right there. Like, these are the things that I'm willing to fight over. These are the things that I'm willing to be right at you about. And these are gospel issues. That if we get these things wrong, we change the gospel. And just like in 1 Corinthians 15, if we get this wrong, people believe in vain. We don't want to get the gospel wrong. There are things that we have convictions about. There are things worth standing up for. We hold it in a closed hand. It doesn't change. You wonder, okay, well, what is that? What comes in the closed hand? Let's look at what Moeller says. Here's what he says. First-tier gospel issues are the first-order doctrines that represent the most fundamental truths of the Christian faith. Denial of these doctrines represent nothing less than an eventual denial of Christianity itself. You might be wondering, okay, well, what's in the closed hand? What are these closed hand issues? What's well, doctrines such as the Trinity, the full deity of, of, of Christ, and his humanity, the hypostatic union, justification by faith alone, and the authority of scriptures. These are things we hold in a closed hand, that we're willing to be right at you about these things, because if we get these things wrong, your salvation is at stake. But outside of the closed hand, we hold things in an open hand. That listen, we can agree to disagree about some other things. It, it may put some boundaries in between us, but second and third tier issues we hold open-handedly. You may be wondering, what's that? Well, Let's go to Moeller again for a second. Here's what he says. Christians may disagree. Though this disagreement will create significant boundaries, Christians may disagree and remain in close fellowship. So what are some examples? A second-tier issue would be mode of baptism, right? There's some Christians that sprinkle. We immerse. There's some Christians that baptize babies. We would still say that they're in the family, right? Our Presbyterian brothers are still brothers and sisters, but there's boundaries that we have. There's times we can't partner together because of this theological issue. There's things in the third order, right? Eschatology, what you believe about the end times. We can disagree about that, but it really doesn't change a whole, a whole lot. See, there's many things we hold in an open hand. We can disagree and still be brothers and sisters. The question I have is, where does Christmas music fall in these tier systems, right? Like, is that a second tier issue or third? Where, where do you hold that? And the reality is, is that that's probably like a seven or eight tier issue, right? It's way down here. But that's the point. You see, the many things that we argue over and we divide on are things that don't even matter. Is it a first tier issue? No. Then let's have charity and Christian maturity and, and agree to disagree and still be brothers and sisters. That's what James is getting at here. So I, I just want to say this to you one more way just so that we can get this, okay? All right? Our goal is not to be right at people as much as it is to be right with them. Or let me say it another way. John writes in his gospel, in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now watch this. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, to be right at us, but to save us 
the world through him to be right with us. The third final thing we see here is that Christians handle conflict with humility. We got a lot to unpack. Let's just go to verse 20 right here. It says this. It says, therefore, because of everything we just talked about, this is what you need to do. Therefore, get rid of. The Greek word there means take it off, take off. It's like a jacket that you have on. You've got to take that off. Okay, well, what do we need to take off? He says moral filth. That's a strong word. What's he getting at? Well, James writes, or Paul writes in another letter, that our righteous deeds, in comparison to Christ's righteousness, our deeds are like filthy rags. That if we want to trust in our own righteousness, we're trusting in filthy rags. So pull that into this statement. Moral filth is essentially self-righteousness. You look at our culture today, self-righteousness is the worst. Most of the violence, most of the hate we have in our nation is because one group thinks the other group is wrong, and they think they are right, right? And everybody is talking, nobody is listening, we're all leading out with this self-righteousness, and it is dividing us. So I agree with him. Get rid of your self-righteousness. Get rid of your moral filth. Then he takes it another step further, tells us another thing we need to get rid of. He says, and, the connecting word, and the evil. Greek word here means malice. Evil's a good word, but essentially what he's saying is, you know that need to get even with people? That need to seek revenge? That need to harm somebody when they harm you? That's what he's talking about. Get rid of that evil that is so prevalent This could be written in 2022, couldn't it? It seems like over 2,000 years, human nature has not changed very much. So he says, take off your self-righteousness. Take off your need to get even with people. And then put this on. Here's what he tells us to put on instead. Get rid of your pride and put on humility. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you. So we put on humility. And that line, that word planted in us, what is that? That's the gospel. That's the truth that Jesus humbled himself for you so that you can humble yourself for other people. So how do you do this? Well, you could start by being quick to listen and slow to speak. You can start by not being right at people, but being right with people. You can start by taking off pride and putting on humility. If we want to live out the gospel in relationships, we got to be quick to listen, slow, slow to speak. Look at this final line here. He says, which can save you? Another translation says, which has the power to save you? The word for save is not sozo, which would mean eternal salvation. This is the sanctifying power of God making us more and more like Jesus kind of save. That the gospel saves you for eternity, but it also saves you right now. This is the type of salvation that can save your marriage. It can save your family. It can save your friendships. It can save your job. It can save you from regret. It can save you from embarrassment. But the key word in all of this is you've got to accept it. You've got to do something. You can't just acknowledge here today like, yeah, that's true. I believe that and then never change. You can't talk about this, and that's it. You have to accept it. You have to do something about it. Agreeing is not enough. 
So as we land the plane this morning, here's what I want to do. I'm going to read this passage to us in its entirety one more time. And then I want to take some time for us to reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to apply this passage of Scripture to our hearts. So after I read this, Todd's going to come up and play a little bit, because I thought that would be a little bit easier if we had some music going on as we kind of dig into our hearts for a minute. But let me read this passage to us one more time. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which God can save you. This is what Jesus did for us. He humbled himself. He came here as a baby. That baby in the manger eventually becomes the bloodied Savior on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. Oh, here's the good news. Three days later, he rose again. And so today, everything we've said is really simple to understand. It's so hard to live, though, isn't it? It's so hard to apply. So if we can, just for a moment, can we just bow our heads and let me just ask a few questions and maybe just see if the Holy Spirit can stir up our hearts and apply this passage of Scripture to us? And the first question I want to ask you is this. Where do I need to listen? Who in my life right now is praying and hoping that I apply this passage of Scripture to my life? Who would that be? Holy Spirit, would you please show us? The next question is, where do I need to be patient? Who do I need to be patient with? Who do I need to give grace to? Thirdly, where do I need to humble myself? Where do I need to take off pride and put on humility? Fourthly, is there anyone I'm wanting to be right at instead of be right with? God, can you help us here? And finally, here's the question we're, we're really drilling in on. Where do I need to be more like Jesus in my relationships? Where does the gospel need to touch the most? As you reflect on this, I just want to say, if you're not a Christian here today, I'm so glad you're here. I believe this passage of scripture would make your life a lot better. I think we all would agree that, that listening, being humble, it would make our lives better. But here's the truth. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the power to do this. That this only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not in Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so today, what I would ask is, would you listen to these words? Would you be patient with us? Because sometimes Christians, we don't get it right. Sometimes we mess up. Would you be patient with us? And then finally, if you're not a believer, would you humble yourself just like we all have and admit you need a Savior? Would you commit to following Jesus today? Would you repent and believe?
If you're here today and say, yes, Jake, I want to follow Jesus, would you just pray a prayer like this? You don't have to repeat what I'm saying, but pray something like this. God, I need you. You left heaven and you came to earth for me. I've sinned against you. You are right. I am wrong. God, save me. Change me. Make me yours forever. Today I repent and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I invite you that if you prayed that prayer, would you make it public? It's one thing to pray it here in your seat. It's another thing to tell the world, I'm going to follow Jesus. And today we want to give you an opportunity to do that. So here in a moment we're going to sing a song. We'd invite you to come forward, come talk to me, and I can get you to somebody who can help you start your journey, your relationship with Jesus. We can do that today. Maybe you say, I don't feel comfortable coming forward. That's, that's fine. I'll be at the Welcome Center here in just a moment. You can come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Jake, I want to be a part of this church family. I want to join a church. I need some people to come alongside me and to help me. You can do that in the same way. You can come forward or meet me at the Welcome Center. We'd love to help you figure out and, and learn how you become a member of this church. But to the church... If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you through his word, would you respond? How's God speaking? How's he moving to you? Would you stand and respond together as Todd leads us in worship?
As we close here this morning, we have just a few announcements. Um, there's six important things here in the worship guide. Uh, and so please check out prayer ministry stuff, information about connection groups. We sure appreciate our connection group leaders, uh, the, the training for disaster relief that is coming up. Uh, but I mainly want to highlight two things. Um, one, first is our church directory. Our church directory, man, it's a valuable resource for our church. And we're asking for your family to, uh, to get a picture, to be a part of that church directory. Uh, we had somewhere around 300 families uh, get, uh, get their picture taken for the directory last time back in 2018. And so we've had a lot of families join since then. And so we're roughly only about 30% uh, right now. And so we need you guys to sign up. You could sign up on our church website, on our, our social media outlets. Today we've even set up a table right out here in the hallway where you can just stop by, pick your time, sign up. Those of you that get uh, your family photo there in the church directory, you're going to get a copy of that directory. Uh, we hope to in the future have it uh, available online as well, where you know maybe you're sitting somewhere and you're like, gosh, what is that person's name? I know him. Gosh, I sit next to him every week in connection groups. Uh, you know, then you can just open up that phone and scroll through. Ah, Susie. That's right. It was Susie. And so please, um, you know, go get your family photo taken. You get a, uh, you, you know, you, like I said, you'll get, um, you know, a copy of that church directory as well to, to have. Also, I want to highlight the How to Be a Man Bible study that's beginning in two weeks, February 27th. And so please, this is available and open to all men. And so it's, it's a great, uh, it's actually an eight-week study. We're going to kind of do an introduction and hand out the books and give some direction on week one. And then, uh, you know, the, the eight weeks that follow uh, such topics as integrity, um, character, commitment, passion. So that just kind of covers a topic each week. And so we'd love for all the men to, be, to come out and be involved with that. That, again, will begin February 27th. That'll be in the D200 hallway, that hallway there. Now, here's kind of the cool thing about it. Um, if you're a dad that has a middle schooler or a high school student, that's the, the same resource we're using. There's kind of an adult version, and then there's a student version. And so for our student discipleship, we're going to be using the same book, just the student version of that. And so I'm, I'm hoping with this to create an atmosphere, to foster a conversation for you and your son throughout the week to be able to talk about some of these things. Any dads in here ever said, man, I just feel like I get nothing more than uh-huh out of my son? You ever think that? So here's an opportunity uh, to create some conversation with you and your son, uh, and, and you can talk about these throughout the week, and then uh, come together. So come, you know, 
men, we're, you don't have to have a son and student ministry. This is another men's Bible stu- uh, study opportunity, but we're just creating a, another atmosphere for dads of, of, you know, with middle schoolers or high schoolers to be able to talk to their sons. So please, I need you to sign up there at the welcome desk as you're leaving here. We're going to purchase books based on the number of people that sign up. And so please just stop by there, sign up. All you got to do is write your name and phone number down, and then we'll uh, get those books ordered and have that available to you. So that, that again, is available for all men that want to participate in that, especially men uh, of dads of of middle school or high school students, all right? Um, And so uh, we're so glad that you're here with us today. If you're a first-time guest, as you're exiting, uh, Jake will be out at the uh, welcome desk. He'd love to have a chance to meet you, and uh, he's got a a small gift for all first-time guests. You can worship through giving. We, we have uh, those boxes that are mounted on the back wall, and so we invite you to participate in worshiping the Lord through giving back to him uh, just a portion of what he's given to you. Let me close this out in prayer, and we'll be dismissed for today. Father, we thank you that your word uh, speaks truth to us. It helps us through conflict. Uh, Lord, all of us have been in times of conflict before, and so I pray that you help us uh, just to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Father, help us to be humble in the midst of that, just to be able to, to, to speak truth and love. God, we love you, and we pray that you help us in conflict and help us to live out our faith each day in our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.